I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And welcome to the Billboard Sharpie Podcast. Gary Trust, Billboard's co-director of charts. And hey guys, it's Trevor Anderson, chart manager here at Billboard. Flashing back again this week. It's another flashback countdown, 40 to 1. This week, 1996. Yeah, for those of you who uh, enjoyed our, our previous two editions, I think we got some pretty good response on that. Kudos to anyone who listened all the way through, because I know the last one was an hour and 39 minutes. 139. Yeah. Are we going to try and break that, that one sweet day record this week? Uh, but yeah, so we're going to flashback, like Gary said, recap the top 40, the entire top 40 of the Hot 100 this week in 1996. We'll go 40 to 1. As you guys remember, we'll interject uh, some of the song clips in there as well so you guys can walk through memory lane either with us or sonically through some of the classic hits at the time. Uh, a lot of, you know, 96 is a good year, obviously a pretty nice mix of things on the chart. We're going to find out some some rap up in there, some R&B, um, of course, plenty of pop songs and some of the alt rock that people remember from the decade. And number one ties into what's number one now, Spanish language song number one here in 2017. Same thing, first week, back in 1996. We'll get to it at the end of the countdown. <laughs> what could it be, Gary? I wonder. <laughs> and uh, we'll we'll talk to uh, someone who helped make that a hit. Completely uh, got the backstory of that. So that's coming up all the way at uh, number one. Uh, before we even uh, start the countdown, Trevor, just uh, asking what you were doing, if you remember anything, about August 1996 when you were in – tell me you were in school at least by then. Uh, this probably would have been about maybe the month I started kindergarten. Yeah. Kindergarten, I just graduated college in May 1996. Yo, check that. Check yeah. that out. One of us is, is jumping into the American public education school system. One of us finishing America's higher education promise fulfilled. Now we had half-day kindergarten, too. Didn't have to go to school till 12 o'clock. What up? All right. Let's uh, kick it off. Number 40 this week on the Billboard Hot 100, August 3rd, 1996.
All right, numbers 40 through 36 on the Billboard Hot 100 this week, 21 years ago, August 3rd, 1996. Leanne Rhymes, pretty notable song, kicking us off at number 40, Blue, her first big hit, written back in 1958, the year that the Hot 100 started by Bill Mack. A lot of, uh, sort of believed at this point that he wrote it for Patsy Cline because it sounds like a Patsy Cline song. He, he says he didn't write it for her. Interesting. I mean, like, like you said, it's kind of sat around for, for decades before Leanne right. found it. Uh, I mean, this time she was... Only, what, about 14, 15 years 13 old? 13 when she recorded and 13, she was about to turn 14 uh, when the song was number 40. That's just, I mean, that's just incredible. I, I think even, uh, especially in a, in a genre like country, which we right. figure so, you know, sort of older leaning or established or, you know, not not an easy, like teen pop or something like right. that. Crazy for her. And to have that voice at 13. Yeah. So never, never sounded that young. Became a top 10 hit at country. Uh, got to number 10 pretty quickly on the country chart, but a peak there kind of stopped it. Research was, it was kind of a polarizing song because it was so different. So a lot of people liked it, but a lot of people got a little scared. Like you were just saying, uh, very different for country, sometimes different, uh, scare some programmers. So yeah. got to number 10, but it, it's you know, lasted pop culture uh, since then. Uh, first of Leanne's uh, 12 uh, top 10s at country and uh, fast forward 21 years. She was just number one uh, just a couple weeks ago on the uh, Dance Club Songs chart. Love is love is love. Leanne making her way. Yeah, still doing uh, really well. Yeah. I mean, imagine going to ninth grade as a Grammy winner, you know? Uh, number 39, uh, not you 2 but Adam Clayton and Larry Mullen, theme from Mission Impossible from Mission Impossible. Uh, shows how big that movie was, that an instrumental version of an old uh, theme like that could be a, a top 10 hit. Got to number seven. Yeah, I know. Um, it's kind of one of those random things I learned. Tom Cruise uh, was in the middle of obviously a huge run. I mean, this is this is his moment. Five consecutive movies making a hundred million or more at the box office, yeah. and Mission Impossible is one of them. Obviously, we see now you know it's like spawned like what, like four or five sequels. So it's really you know a, a real gem in his wheelhouse. And like you said, I mean, the movie was such a big deal that summer that this old song from the '60s, uh, number thirty-eight, uh, more rock in the top forty, Metallica, until it sleeps. Their only top ten ever on the Hot One Hundred. So it had gotten to number 10, was down at uh, number 38 this week. Uh, flash forward again for them, uh, 2016, their sixth number one album. Gary, name one member of SWV. S. So, okay, keep going. Sisters uh, with yeah, voices, yeah. I get that. So You're the One, uh, a week was their number one hit in 1993, but uh, this became a number five hit, 1996. Uh, it, made the, it made the best of CD, so... <laughs> And uh, more rock, number 36, Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, it was its peak for Tonight Tonight. I think it's maybe their best song. I, I really like how it's uh, so much of their stuff has that orchestral sound. But there's just something really, really nice about uh, that song, Tonight Tonight. A lot of people probably think uh, 1979, earlier in 1996, as, as their biggest hit. But I, I really always like Tonight Tonight. Number 35.
has got the touch What you got is an instinct Oh yeah kind of girl Marks of races make them know She's the kind of woman that lets you know When she knows what you want, she won't let go Takes you to a place of your fantasy Walks you to the door, but she holds a key All right, coming in at number 35 this week, uh, that week, I guess you could say on Hot 100, Stupid Girl by Garbage. Uh, it was their only top 40 hit. They had some some different songs. That was the one that broke through, got to number 24, uh, remains their only top 40 hit. Perfect uh, 90s alternative pop song. And right above them at number 34, we got No Mercy, Where Do You Go? It went to, since you're asking, number five. It would wind up being a number five hit. You weren't asking, were you? <laughs> I uh, you got in, the answer. Involuntarily no was yeah, yeah great uh, dance pop hit from the '90s. Really that uh, '90s uh, dance sound that we don't really hear a lot of now. Uh, back then, that was more typical for what a dance pop was that would cross over. All right, and ooh, Gary is Gary's holding strong with some of these these '96 throwbacks for him. Uh, okay, let's try this one out. At 33, we got Maxi Priest featuring Shaggy the song "That Girl." So uh, Shaggy just had broken through. 95. I want to say, right? yeah, summer before yeah. was, was when um, Boombastic and right. his peak would come at the end of the decade, the beginning of the next decade, when It Wasn't Me and Angel and those songs got to number one. Maxi Priest. He had a couple good hits uh, before this, a few hits, but uh, he uh, broke through with uh, his cover of Cat Stevens' Wild World, 1988 reggae version. You know, those, again, those reggae covers were, that was a, that, that was a nice little, little safe niche in there from the late 80s, early 90s. I mean, you saw it with you know, kind of remake crossovers. Um, same thing with UB40, having the cover of Elvis Presley's Can't Help Falling in Love. Red Red Wine was another right. one. I think my dad in particular liked that song a lot. So definitely a good era for them. Yeah, and well. he had uh, also, he, uh, 1991, he had a uh, cover of Set the Night to Music with Roberta Flack. So he, uh, he had a few hits in the early uh, early and mid-90s. Two, two reggae stars really together on this song. All right, moving on to number uh, 32 that week. We've got uh, a song from the soundtrack to The Nutty Professor. If that doesn't put you in a 90s mood, um, nothing else will. Eddie Murphy making making that big leap. Uh, but this song is by Case featuring Foxy Brown. Touch Me, Tease Me, 32. That's one of Eddie Murphy's bigger movies, right, Nutty Professor? Yeah, I mean, it was enough to – it was at least successful enough to spot a sequel. And, you know, the sequel also had the um, – was Janet Jackson was in it, and that's where Does It Really Matter came from, which right. was a number one hit for her later in 2000. Um, yeah, I mean, of course, Eddie Murphy – not the same kind of as his '80s, you know, Beverly Hills Cop kind of kind of SNL days, but still a huge force. In, it went a little more family friendly. Yeah, I mean, this is. I mean, this is actually, and it's kind of weird to think like when you when you put this together. I mean, this is only about what f- four or five years from Shrek when he's doing Donkey and and all those kind of things. Um, right. So it's not. It's definitely yeah a little more from that, a little less in the kind of you know stand up the raw yeah, right. in the raw version of Eddie Murphy <laughs> in the 1980s. Um, but yeah, shout out to Case and, and Foxy Brown for getting that that top twenty hit there. And uh, above them, we got Natalie Merchant, number thirty one 
on that week's Hot 100 with the song Jealousy. Our first Lilith Fair sighting here in the Top 40. Uh, you knew it was coming at some point. Uh, uh, 10,000 Maniacs, she'd been the lead singer. They, they never had a Top 40 hit until uh, Because of the Night, their cover of uh, the Patti Smith uh, song uh, written by uh, Bruce Springsteen. Got to number 11 in 1993, but such a great catalog they have. And then uh, Natalie Merchant went solo, had three Top 40 hits, uh, Carnival Wonder, which is just outside the Top 40 after hitting number 20. And then uh, Jealousy was moving up this week uh, on its way to number 23. Another uh, great song from Natalie Merchant. And if uh, Natalie Merchant and 10,000 Maniacs isn't enough to get you back in the, the mood of 96, here's what else was happening uh, in world affairs to, to put in some context for you. Well, July 4th, 1996, Hotmail debuted. Remember Hotmail? Every, yeah, everyone's first email address <laughs> was probably a Hotmail one. That was uh, July 4th, July 6th and 7th, Wimbledon, uh, men's uh, and women's tennis. Do you know who won those two years? You're the tennis guy. Oh, gosh. 96? Okay. ninety. Well, Steffi Groff won the women's. Who won the men's? Uh, this Okay, 96. This is, it, it was not Pete Sampras because that was like the, one of the, like, the only years that he lost. Was that uh, Cedric Peeling? No. No. 96 Wimbledon title. Um. Oh, 96? This was the worst year to pick, Gary. Uh, Apparently. All right, we don't know. We had to Google. We we don't know who won this right. title. We had to Google it. Yeah. All right, Let's, Google tells us the winner. We, we can't really – we don't know how to correct – Krychek? Krychek, yeah. Right, well, uh, Justin, our intern, you seem to be an expert in this. How would you pronounce this name? Krychek. His first name is Richard. Right. We got the Richard part. Oh, okay. Yeah. Richard, you know, we, we, got, we know Richard. Uh, July 21st. 1996, The Daily Show uh, premiered, hosted then by Craig Kilborn. Ah, yes. And, of course, it'll always be synonymous with Jon Stewart, who really took it to a new level when he came through. All right. Number 30. Let's move on. The Billboard Hot 100 this week, 1996. Yeah, I was looking for the falling rain. Oh, 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 oh
smoking on hay in the middle of the barn. Is that your favorite song of the five we just heard? No. All right. Uh, interesting about these uh, five we just heard, there's a couple of uh, boy bands who had hits that were not their biggest hits, more obscure, at number 30 and 26. At so number 30, uh, all for one, we heard Someday, not I Swear, not I Can Love You Like That, but after that, uh, number 30 hit, it was at its peak, Someday from The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah, again, like we kind of mentioned in the 97 episode, we saw, I think, a couple more singles that uh, identify this trend. But for those who weren't there for that, uh, you know, the 90s were a heyday, obviously, for for Disney and for a lot of the children's films and the so-called Disney renaissance uh, from The Little Mermaid up through Tarzan in 99. And, you know, for basically all those major songs, they always had somebody do the pop version of them. And, you know, a lot of these turned into, you know, top 10 hits on the Hot 100. I mean, we saw everything from Beauty and the Beast way back at the beginning of the decade through A Whole New World, uh, Colors of the Wind. They all get remade and turned into these top 10s. Unfortunately, all for one, not quite able to get there, but top 40, you know, hey, still. You said, you said, hey, you said it was a heyday. It was also a heyday for Crucial Conflict. It was a hey week. It's a farming song. Uh, number 28, Montel Jordan featuring Slick Rick. I like another Nutty Professor song, second one we've gotten to. The Nutty Professor, again, I mean, a lot, you know, that was a, that was a pretty big soundtrack there. Montel, obviously, uh, the year before had had his, his longest lasting hit that everyone knows. This is how we do it. And good to see Slick Rick also there, you know, somebody who kind of more of the early days of rap before became a huge commercial seller like it, like it would in the late 80s, early, I mean, the very late 80s, but really in the 90s. So glad to see Slick Rick getting some love on a top 40 hit as well. Uh, number 27, one of my absolute favorite bands of all time, Gin Blossoms, with a two-sided hit. It was Follow You Down and Till I Hear It From You. It's their only top 10. It had gone to number nine, had a really long uh, ride in the top 40, so still hanging on at number 27. Um, saw them uh, in concert recently. I've seen them a bunch of times. They still sound great. Um, you know, a, a lot of their songs have a very similar sound. But they, they all have different great hooks. But they, they've joked about that. They retweet a lot of what uh, fans write. And I remember someone saying once, uh, all your songs sound alike, but they're great. We love them anyway. And they, they retweeted it. They, they sort of thought it was funny. Uh, great sound. They just uh, always change the, the hooks. And I just I just love their catalog. Yeah. And that's one, I mean, that's one of the critiques, I guess, that really survives any artist, but bands in particular, and I guess especially in this sort of you know, process pop era, people make that joke. I mean, the chain smokers probably more than anybody right now are the recipients of that. Um, why does, you know, why does something just like this sound just like closer, but you just change a little, you know, change maybe a little bit of the, of the structure, throw Chris Martin on instead of Halsey and you got a fresh new hit, you know, Hey, sometimes, you know, if you find something that works, yeah, but yeah, Gin Blossoms, too, there's a lot of harder alternative in the 90s. So they were always one of the poppier bands, uh, but really a pop band that, that had uh, real uh, jangly sounds. So they always uh, stood out to me. And that, that's why I like them, because they were a little more pop than, uh, than some of the other alternative at the time. Number 26, Color Me Bad. It's sort of like All for One. They'd had bigger hits before that, but uh, we're still in the top 40 with The Earth, The Sun, The Rain as their ninth final top 40 hit. So, Color Me Bad, not I Adore Me Amore, a different song. Yeah, and also one of the times, you know, I guess no one really could have known this at the time, but when you look at this, this is really the era where that boy band kind of, you know, quartet is, is starting to hit the sunset. Um, I mean, even Boys to Men, who, you know, would be, I think in most people's minds, the, the biggest act of that era in that in that mold, would have, another, would have a number one uh, the following year. It would be kind of the, 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 the end of the road for a lot of those R&B, R&B stars as a lot of that teen pop Spice Girls, you know, invasion took over in the next coming years. So. You know, you just said end of the road. You're talking about 
Vocal groups. Did I say into the room? Yeah. See, it's that. It's that instant. Boys to Men is that. That's that's that baby face. Baby face is so he just finds his way in. All right, let's keep going. Number twenty-five this week, nineteen ninety-six. Coming in at number 25 uh, on the August 3rd, 1996 Hot 100, we've got Children, Robert Miles, who yeah. who recently passed away here, actually. Yeah, in uh, May, uh, only 47. Uh, what an interesting song, a, a low-key dance instrumental. That would really work nowadays with how dance is, is much more uh, uh, low-key like that than it really was uh, back in the 90s. So that, that song stood out at the time for being an instrumental, for, for its tempo, uh, really uh, stands today as just a great 90s hit. And, and uh, with him uh, passing away, we've got a great song to remember him by. Yeah. And right above him at number 24, Alanis Morissette with Ironic, the song at hit number four. Um, so at this point, kind of working its way back down the chart. And we'll actually hear a little more from Atlantis later coming up in the podcast. But Ironic, of course, one of the the bigger songs off Jagged Little Pill. I think certainly one of the ones that has lasted. Gary, is it really ironic, all the things she talks about? But you know what? Atlantis never actually says it is ironic. She's asking, is it ironic? So she never actually came out and said it was. Fair. Maybe she doesn't think it is. Maybe that's ironic in itself. Like you would think that somebody would ask something that's ironic in a song called Ironic when nothing actually ends up being ironic. We still don't know. No, you know, no one, no one knows what's going on. Though I remember she did do that kind of update of that modern update of the lyrics with James Corden um, a little while back. Do you remember some of the things that were now twenty one years later? Ironic or not? Like I remember, like there's one about being like first class on like a Southwest plane, but like Southwest is just like boards everybody on the same spot. So like <laughs> if you pay for that, like I always thought about that because they always offer that the upgrade and that kind of first class, and it's like we're all going to be in the same quality seat. Still her highest charting Hot 100 hit, though, got to number four. So, great song. All right, uh, number 23, we got Sweet Dreams, not the Eurythmic song, even though that would have been cool if it had made a comeback a decade after it had been recorded. But this one is Sweet Dreams by La Bouche. 
Yeah, another one of those up-tempo uh, dance songs that's so uh, mid-90s feeling, like we heard uh, No Mercy, Where Do You Go, back at number 34. Same same kind of song, a lot of great dance pop that uh, broke through. The greatest gainer for that week on radio, uh, Dishwalla's Counting Blue Cars. It calls God a woman, doesn't it? That was like one of the big like... Really like to meet her. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, one of us, Joan Osborne, similar times. So, you know, that, that uh, brooding, uh, serious... Mid '90s uh, pop alternative got got pretty deep, but also got that little, got that little you know got that feminist fair there that you know who right. says God can't be a woman, right? All right, uh, climbing up, we're almost halfway there. So what's going to wrap the first half of this countdown is going to be very '90s. The Tony Rich Project, uh, nobody knows. Number twenty one that week was actually a number two hit. Unfortunately, couldn't quite get all the way to the to the top of the chart. Sliding back down at this point, and now the song did get to number one uh, cover. Kevin Sharp did a country version, got to number one for four weeks in early 1997. So the song was a number one hit uh, on country. That, that Again, there's that, there's that country R&B hybrid that we've seen a lot in that era. Before we uh, get into the top 20, Trevor, uh, just to look at a little bit more of what was going on in the world. Uh, August 1996, George R.R. R. Martin publishes A Game of Thrones, the first in his series, A Song of Ice and Fire. Woo! If that's a long-haul return on investment, worth it because that man must be living in Malibu mansions and castles and layers, all that to this day. Feels like I could see him living in a castle, right? In a way, Feels I mean, he's, he's very – yeah, he likes that you know fantastical stuff. Uh, August 21st, 1996, uh, we mentioned uh, earlier Hotmail uh, debuted. August 21st, we got Netscape Browser. 3.0. Netscape. I remember I remember Netscape because that was like the one. There was like Netscape Navigator and Netscape Communicator that like the commons used. And back then, I think Internet Explorer was actually kind of like the bougie browser. So funny how, you know, funny how times change. All right, let's move on. Top 20. We're up to number 20 this week. 21 years ago, the Billboard Hot 100, 1996. Baby,
numbers 20 through 16, the Billboard Hot 100 this week, 21 years ago. Uh, number 20, we heard Monica, Why I Love You So Much, uh, A-Side and B-Side with Ain't Nobody. So it had gotten to the top 10. Monica really in uh, the midst of all her hits in the 90s and still a couple years away at this point from The Boy's Mind with Brandy. Yeah, uh, obviously, like I said, Monica's breakthrough season really started the year before with Don't Take It Personal and and uh, Before You Walk Out of My Life. I mean, this is just another top 10, keeping the streak going. I mean, and kind of like Leanne Rimes, like we mentioned at the top of the podcast, you know, young young budding singers out there who's taking the torch to a new generation. Number 19, uh, Bittersweet, uh, 112, featuring Notorious B.I.G., Only You. Yeah, uh, and, and <laughs> yeah, 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 112. I mean, that whole label in-house collaboration with, with the Bad Boy team. Um, and of course, I mean, who could have, you know, who could have predicted that a year from now, I guess in a in a sort of much more somber sense, one twelve would be holding at number one uh, as part of the tribute song to Biggie. So I mean, we're talking about the last you know six eight months uh, that we have Notorious B.I.G. with us. You know, crazy. Number eighteen on the Hot One Hundred, former number one for Bone Thugs and Harmony, The Crossroads. Uh, yeah, yeah, and again another another sad one. It's like we said with Biggie. I mean, The Crossroads is is really in a lot of ways Bone Thugs uh, tribute to Easy E, who you know, was their mentor and sort of, you know, got them going. Um, he would passed away from some complications of, of, of AIDS, um, a few years back. Um, again, it's always, you know, it's always kind of bittersweet, especially I'm sure to get such a huge successful song off of an event like this. Um, so, you know, of course, great for both ducks and harmony to be up there. Number one, you know, eight weeks, but in the way the song had to come about, you know, always sad. All right. Uh, number 17, my second favorite Mariah Carey song of all time, former number one at this point, Always Be My Baby. And second only to... All I Want for Christmas is You. So uh, it's sort that's... of uh, my favorite non-holiday regular song by Mariah. L- l- the intro it still sounds so good nowadays, that long uh, acoustic intro, how it builds. And uh, Jermaine Dupri, who uh, co-wrote it, uh, co-produced it, he was here a few months ago at Billboard. We kind of stalked him after he did a Facebook Live interview. I just Thanks think. for putting that one out there, Gary. <laughs> I wanted to ask him all about uh, how that song came about because it was more poppy than anything he'd ever done. And that's kind of what he, he said. Absolutely. He, he totally agreed with that. Yeah. I mean, I think at that point, especially most people knew Jermaine from, from Jump by Criss Cross a few years earlier that he had written and produced and kind of broke out there. And he said, yeah, a lot of people, he said in a way, I think maybe it, it could be one of his favorite number one hits because like you said, people did not think he had that kind of R&B, that little pop softer side to him. And I mean, it's just, I mean, it literally was just really him, Mariah, producing it. And um, I mean, a third a third co-writer there as well. But it wasn't like there was a, you know, a huge team of people and Jermaine just did a little bit. I mean, he really had to had to, had to to go to work. And this is a partnership that worked out really well for him. I mean, they've collaborated many more times um, since then. I think most, most people will, will know that we belong together. Another Carrie Dupree collaboration that was right. a monster hit. Um, so this is the beginning of a nice little pair. And you talk about uh, how big the Daydream album for Mariah was, 95, 96. This was the third single from the album. Fantasy was first, eight weeks at number one. One Sweet Day set the record. Still going to say it as long as it's true. Despacito hasn't broken it yet. There you go. 16 weeks, number one for One Sweet Day. And then third single, Always Be My Baby, third number one from the album. And Zero Grammys to go with it. Crazy. You have to bring that up. I, <laughs> the, the lamb's got the lamb's got to be kept in check at some point. Um yeah, here we go. My RIP, my mentions. I love Mariah just as much as everybody else does. I think it is cruel that she got shut out over that's, six. That's that's messed up. That's better. Uh, number sixteen, uh, another Alilafir uh, type artist, and another Canadian uh, female singer songwriter, Jan Arden. Insensitive, 
It was a, a big hit. I've heard all the Alanis. Uh, Avril Lavigne was uh, on her way a few years later. Sarah McLaughlin was starting to break through. So the era for uh, Canadian female uh, singer-songwriters. Also, uh, the song was from the movie Bed of Roses. Do you remember that movie? No. It's a Christian Slater, not. Mary Stuart Masterson. Well, it's a, you look at, uh, on the chart here and we see uh, you know, I Like by Montel Jordan from Nutty Professor. You, you're pretty much immediately remember Nutty Professor. Then you see yeah. a movie like Bed of Roses. You, you kind of have to uh, maybe Google uh, what Bed of Roses is like I just did to find out who was in it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, these, these recapping some of the movies that we've seen just on this chart alone. I mean, Mission Impossible down there. Everyone knows that. You know, Tom Cruise, Nutty Professor, like you said, Hunchback of Notre Dame. Everyone knows that. Um yeah, that's a that's that's the one. That's that's the that's the question mark one. I think we have another example actually right here of oh, a yeah much bigger song than, than the movie. At least uh, twenty one years later, Celine Dion, number fifteen. For all those times you stood by me, for all the truth that you made me see, for all the joy you brought to my life, for all the wrong that you made right. So I guess if you are a major lamb like Gary, you probably maybe you hate this song. If you aren't a lamb, maybe you like this song. This was this was the one that that took Mariah and the boys out oh, of number right. one. Well, I'm a um, big Diane Warren fan. She wrote the song, so I'll I'll look for the positive. Okay, yeah. yeah. I mean, a Diane Warren, David Foster, pro- Diane Warren written, David Foster produced. So that definitely is the you know like a hallmark team of the '90s. There, um, the song "Because You Love Me" from the film Up Close and Personal. Um, yeah, I think I think again, most people. If if you were around for like the '90s rom com kind right. of boom, you may remember the song. If not, you know, it wasn't. It's not necessarily one of the ones that has stood the test of time, like a "You've Got Mail" or or something that you know, uh, Julia Roberts kind of comedy or something like that. But uh, Celine Dion getting the number one hit out of it, uh, six weeks at number one. So it's actually of all the songs, all Celine's uh, four number one hits. That one is tied with "I'm Your Angel" for her longest run at number one. And you know, really okay with that. Uh, breaking uh, the the run at number one for Once We Day. It's a great song. I mean, to be totally fair, Once We Day one. fell to number five, so it wasn't like you know, 
I'm just you gotta gotta throw it out there. Gotta throw it out there. But yeah, this also um kicking off what will become a, a big year for Celine as well. Um her falling into you album coming out in ninety six um will eventually win her the album of the year Grammy and then has other, you know, Celine classics all by myself. Uh it's all coming back to me now. So really the Celine ballad was 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 strong in ninety six. All right, we're moving on to number fourteen. We've got uh Total up there at number fourteen with Kissing You, the song of Pizza number twelve, backtracking a little bit. Raphael Sadiq yeah. producing. Yeah. I like that there. Co-writing as well. And uh, yeah, also a co-writer on the track. Um, Again, part of the bad boy uh, Arista team back then. We heard that 112 back at number 19. Big error. Yeah. I mean, they, and this is really solidifying their dominance. 97 in particular. And Puff Daddy comes out with his own album. Going to really, you know, uh, move the needle there. But again, total doing, doing nice and strong. Moving up one spot to number 13. We've got uh, <laughs> one of Gary. I know this is one of Gary's favorites from this era. Uh Climbing up the chart, making a nice jump actually this week. Ten spots from 23 to 13. We have Donna Lewis, I Love You Always Forever, which I always mix up with I Will Always Love You. The the eternal love is, is strong there. Um, uh, it, it would go on to number two for nine weeks. It would get stuck behind a huge number one hit we'll get to. But it's actually the second most weeks peaking at number two for a song that didn't go to number one. You're still the one. Shania Twain would uh, tie that a couple years later. Two songs have the record for most weeks at number two, peaking at number two, 10 weeks each, Missy Elliott Work It and Foreigner, Waiting for a Girl Like You, I Love You Always Forever, uh, also uh, number one Airplay hit, it was huge, it was just blocked uh, on the Hot 100. Uh, you know what I always think would be funny and years later? How much she sounds like Ellie Goulding? It'd be funny to hear a duet between the two of them because I'm not sure you'd be able to tell their voices apart. Ooh. All right, and coming up above Donna Lewis, number 12 that week on the Hot 100, we got one of the first sightings we're going to see at Outcast on this chart, Elevators, Me and You. So they're running 96. Uh, the Atlanta duo obviously going on to even bigger and better things uh, at the turn of the next decade or next century even. Uh, 2001, they're going to be number one with Miss Jackson. And then, of course, they're going to blow up really in 2003. Uh, the Speaker Box, Love Below, sort of... Dual album. I was gonna say I was gonna say duets album, but it's not a duets album. It's a dual album. Right. And they're gonna have uh, Hey Y'all go to number one for nine weeks, and they're going to also get the way you move replace themselves at number one. And then on top of that, way to kick it all off, Speaker Box Love Below is going to win the album of the year, which is one of the very few times in Grammy history you're gonna see a hip hop album take that top honor. Yeah, it's fun. You you look back at, a, at these years like this, you find acts at different points in their careers, like we heard All for One and Color Me Bad after they had had big number one hits. Yeah, and here we got the sunset right before. On in the sunrise, you got it. All right, and number eleven, so just outside the top ten this week. Um kind of again in that in that nice singer songwriter mold of the of the era, we've got Jewel Who Will Save Your Soul. The artist who called me Tiger, and then I later found out she calls other people Tiger. <sighs> Poor Gary still will not, will not quite get over that. I remember one of the things that Jewel was talking about when she sort of recapped one of these songs, I think on VH1 one time, was she really said her voice sounded like Kermit the Frog when she's her singing voice. So, uh, which, in, which, you know, in a way, like the way she put it, you're kind of like, I could. A little vibrato. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah a little, little. You know what was interesting too at the time was there was another Jewel, the, the R&B Jewel with two L's. They were both on the charts at the same time. Jewel with one L was the little affair. Uh, folk singer, songwriter, Jewel with two L's had some R&B hits at the time. All right, and here we are in the home stretch, the last 10, the top 10 of the Hot 100, uh, the week of August 3rd, 96. Like we saw at number 11, we saw Jewel, and as Gary mentioned, uh, another Jewel was running around the charts. 
with two L's at that time. And kicking us off at number 10, another act who also is known for having two very famous L's in his yeah. names. Take a listen. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. Good daddy. It's a queen's thing, baby. I want to dance with you. Ten through six, the Billboard Hot 100 this week, 1996, 21 years ago. LL Cool J hitting the top ten, up for number thirteen. I hit the top ten with Loungin. Where does Loungin stand, Trevor, in LL Cool J's catalog? Um, <laughs> feels a little one of the deeper cuts, even though it's a top ten. Yeah, hit, it's right? not. I mean, certainly, I, I think most people probably obviously know more, more of the '80s stuff, and you, I mean, I think like Hey Lover and those kind of things have aged a little bit better. Um, Mama said, "Knock you out." Well, of course, yeah. I mean, that's probably. I mean, even if you don't know anything about LL Cool J, you know that phrase and you know, you know, of course, you, of course, you know, the opening, don't call it a comeback. 
um, which is is crazy how it's just transcended into pop culture. People don't even know where they're getting that from. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say like I'm not an LL Cool J expert by any means, but I would say it's not not one of the top five. But hey, it's one of the top ten. That's right. This week, so there twenty one years ago, <laughs> uh, number nine. What a '90s, uh, total '90s flashback. Quad City DJs, come on, ride at the train. Of course, if this, again, if this is one of those songs that had social media existed at the time or Instagram, this would have been one of those like Instagram challenge kind of train challenge songs or whatever. I mean, you just can't, woo, woo, come, you know, you you can't not get excited when you hear that song. Yeah, with no YouTube back then. All we had, as we said, was Hotmail and Netscape. It didn't wasn't that's, good for me. That's all it took. Yeah. And ooh, could you imagine trying to load a video, load a video on like that bandwidth? Be <laughs> waiting all day. Uh, number eight, down for number six, it's peak. Uh, you learn Alanis Morissette. B-side was You Oughta Know. So that uh, got the song on the chart that way. Uh, number eight on the Hot 100, but it was number one on radio songs this week in the middle of its uh, five-week uh, run at uh, number one at radio. So it's the biggest uh, airplay hit at the time. Alanis just completely in her big run of hits. Uh, Jagged Little Pill was just uh, really the biggest thing at the time. Do you remember, um, I guess you were a radio guy, so I remember you know, here's hearsay about this. You Oughta Know. And I remember a lot of people like sort of looking back and saying, you know, for a woman to say fuck on the radio and like in a song and night, that, that was a pretty like they're, they're, big moment. I mean, of course, they bleeped it, you know, but not for, you, not can, for you can you can tell what, what the what, what the message is. Not there. for family radio. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, a huge hit uh, for Alanis. Uh, number seven, Twisted Keith Sweat. He'd had hits in the 80s. He was still going strong in the top 10, 1996. Yeah. And this is before, you know, he still got some years in his career, too. I know nobody in 99 will be a huge R&B smash. Um so again, one of the, one of those again consistent kind of hit makers out there who just took that R and B lane and opening in the '90s and just rode it to success. Yeah, he was kind of a veteran then. I mean, I really started listening to radio in 1988. I remember "I Want Her" was a big hit back then. So he he'd, he'd been around by '96. Yeah, uh, number six uh, on the Hot 100 this week, 21 years ago. Guy who was having really, you, you tend to think of uh, 70s for his biggest time in music, but he had this really big run of hits in the 90s. Eric Clapton with Change the World. So uh, Tears in Heaven, sadly, the story behind that, his son uh, became a hit in 1992. And then he just suddenly became this this huge adult contemporary and pop artist with other hits. Uh, Change the World was big. My Father's Eyes. He just, uh, you know, from, from being the, the guitar legend that he was, he started having these AC ballads. So a whole other side of his career. And again, um, we're seeing it from the movie Phenomenon, starring right. John Travolta. <laughs> again, one of those kind of you know you look back at it and you're like, okay, this 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 existed. Um, kind of parallels there, but Clapton and Travolta in the '70s, and then yeah, you know, the two of them in the '90s, totally different yeah. vibes for both of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess like you said, with, with Eric having the revival, especially with the Unplugged session that he did, Travolta just a few years off of Pulp Fiction, kind of so getting his his uh, exposure to a new audience. So you're right. It teams up a little bit. And somebody who is no stranger to having success in the 90s at this point, the song's producer, uh, Babyface. So uh, obviously in the middle of, you know, an enormous period for him, having written songs for, I mean, at this point, really, it's you name it. He's he's written for them. Tony Braxton he's written with. Madonna, um, Take a Bow. Madonna, before, yeah. Right? Whitney Houston has collaborated with him several times as well. So Boys to Men, Into the Road, a lot of their big hits, I'll Make Love to You. So again, this is just another top ten in uh, in Babyface's wheelhouse, and also uh, Babyface getting recognized for his efforts this year. At the end of the year, will be Grammy's Producer of the Year, um, his first of three in a row, and Change the World is going to win Record of the Year and Song of the Year. So this is this is the Grammy fave of '96. Top five now this week, rough two. Mm-hmm. I can't sleep, babe. I can't 
want to know that this is a weekly recorded podcast this is this is the perfect moment to to uh to really let everybody know because we talked about r kelly on the 97 podcast i believe i can fly was you know from space jam the huge hit kind of trickling down at that point but it was still in the top 40 now we're talking about r kelly um number five this week with i can't sleep baby if i and i mean what are you how can you how are we talking about r kelly on this podcast right now like this is i mean r kelly's name has been I mean, without even getting into that, it's just it's just weird to see him on the chart and be like, ah, yes, this this man has to be discussed in some capacity this week. Um, he was number five, you know, and I mean, I, it, look, I mean, you know, I guess current current drama aside, sometimes you go back in music and you find uh, great hits by artists who years later they wind up uh, doing some things that really hurt their reputation or other people uh, yeah. get affected. It's always kind of a, a weird thing. Sometimes their music gets banned uh, certain songs you're just too associated with the artist Uh, i guess maybe r kelly sort of in that discussion maybe at this point i mean it's 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 weird because i mean it's not it's not like there's been a particular song i guess that has made people uncomfortable um or anything like that but it's just just the the person of the personality um and i mean look there's there's all kinds of you know you'll hear every take on the internet if you look for it there are people who saying you can separate the man from his music there are people who say you shouldn't support that at all because you know, ultimately he gets paid off, you know, his streams and his, his sales and all that. Or it's both at the same time. Sometimes you're hearing a song and you're enjoying it at the same time in the back of your head. All you can think about is what they've like, done. And you get yeah, that weird mix yeah. at the same time. And of course, of course, these are still, you know, I guess there there's somewhat allegations. You know, I know, I, would, I guess there's allegations. Kelly is not, you know, confirmed anything like that. I guess we can say, you know, safely removed from context. Look, you can't argue that R. Kelly was in the run. You know, and one of those great runs again. I mean, '90s R&B was was really, um, in terms, especially in terms of solo men, really R. Kelly set the pace for a lot of those those records. The 12 play album in '94, you got Bump and Grind and all. And as we know as well, he's not just a singer performer; he's a songwriter for himself and for plenty of other people. He'd written hits for Michael Jackson at this point. Had really masterminded Aaliyah's debut album. Um, so he's definitely, you know, an in-demand force, an in-demand producer, and he's a talented guy. No one's going to take that away from him. All right, I'll move on to number four this week. Uh, a nice little renaissance story here as well. We got Tracy Chapman, Give Me One Reason. So the song um, had been peaking at number three, and it's down this week to number four on this Hot 100. But again, you know, this is um, about eight years since Fast Car right. had become that breakthrough top ten hit um, and won her a few Grammy Awards and got her, obviously, the world the worldwide recognition. Had not been in the top ten between Fast Car and this song. Yeah. So um, 
you know, I, I, I linked the gap there of eight years, still putting out some music and things, but this I, is just one of the great, great songs of her career. I feel like she was almost, I, I say this as a huge Tracy Chapman fan, I, I feel like she was almost a one-hit wonder twice, because both songs she had were really unlikely hits. In 1988, music is so produced, she comes out with Fast Car. 1996, we're in the middle of alternative and hip-hop and rap, and we get this bluesy song. And I guess it stood out. It's a good song. It's a simple kind of a blues song. Those You don't get a lot of that in pop music. So it just sort of connected, again, the Lilith Fair era. So kind of all lined up uh, and became uh, an even bigger hit than Fast Car. Give me one reason. Got to number three. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, it goes to show again, I think, that it's kind of that old cliche that, you know, a good song will find its way. But, I mean, it, it's true. I mean, it, there's not a person, I think, who can really argue with either Fast Car or Give Me Give Me One Reason as just two just just purely, simply great songs. All right, moving up to number three this week on the Hot 100. Um, again, like we saw with Biggie down there, another one of these stories that you, at the time, no one would have predicted this, I think, at all. But uh, number three that week is Tupac, How Do You Want It, and California Love. How Do You Want It featuring Casey and JoJo of Jodeci, California Love featuring Dr. Dre and Roger Tautman. Um, but, you know, the crazy thing about this really is that this is August 96. So, I mean, we're just over a month uh, from when Tupac is going to be shot and killed in Las Vegas, which is just kind of, you know, I mean, just crazy to see somebody, especially in the prime of his career. This is his first number one hit on the Hot 100. He um, had just gotten out of jail not too long ago. That was kind of really part of the deal to sign with Death Row and release the uh, the the All Eyes on Me album. Still one of the great albums in hip-hop. And it's just like, whoa, you know, like, I'm sure if you would have told somebody in 96, you know, hey, this Tupac will be gone in a month, right. that would be like, you got to be kidding me. Like, this, this guy just got out. He's on yeah. top of the world. He's doing everything, all these big things, you know, just... If there's any uh, just, yeah. anything musically that that at least uh, afterwards uh, there'd be so much more music in the vault that would still be coming out for for a long time after. Yeah, and I mean it's, it's kind of nice that you know I mean his family and his mother in particular have been so active in those efforts to get a lot of those things out there because you know some I mean you don't have to and and maybe sometimes especially you just you just don't want to I mean you could you maybe as a mom you think that music was what sort of you know, led to all this and all these record labels and all these deals about money and this and that. But, um, you know, it's just nice that she knew that her son at, a, at his core was an artist. He wanted to do this. He'd always been, you know, um, very passionate about that. And to share the rest of his legacy with the world is is great. All right. And uh, we'll keep on climbing to number two. We just saw Babyface in, in the top ten, number six. How about seeing him again at number two as the songwriter on another dual-sided single, Tony Braxton. You're making me high and let it flow. So Tony Braxton coming off a huge debut album back in, in 93, 94. This is the first song off her second album. Um, something people hadn't really seen in Tony before. She was a little more of the, the down tempo, mid tempo balladeer on the first album. Right. A couple, you know, a couple um, album cuts that were some more upbeat, but most of the singles are pretty, you know, pretty, pretty showcasey. This song in particular, way different. I mean, this song's basically just about getting high, having sex. Um, a way more, you know, like sort of vixen kind of kind of Tony that we hadn't seen before. But let it flow from the Waiting to Exhale soundtrack, right. which also in this time doing huge numbers um, came out in late '95. Uh, an all-star collaboration, really one of the first we've seen of all black female artists on this. We got, I mean, Whitney starring in the movie, and she helped, you know, executive produce the soundtrack. Which you've got Brandy on it, you've got Aretha Franklin on there, you've got Chaka Khan, you've got CC Winans, you've got TLC. And who, of course, is the guy 
And again, all that Who once else? again masterminded, written, produced by Babyface. Right. So, I mean, this is probably the hardest working guy in music at this point. And his rewards, you know, are getting these chart numbers, getting the success, getting that money. So yeah, shout out to Tony Braxton who gets her first number one this year. She'll follow that up pretty quickly with another number one before the year's over with another Diane Warren pinned ballad, "Unbreak My Heart." Of course, everyone still knows that song. Eleven weeks at number one, so. Tony's doing doing very well, avoiding that sophomore jinx and that best new artist Grammy curse. And this song uh, snuck in one week at number one, and good thing that it did because the next week, the number one song this week, 1996, it took over for 14 weeks. We've been talking about it a lot lately because of what's number one now, uh, Despacito by Luis Fonsi, Daddy Yankee featuring Justin Bieber. It's been number one now for 12 weeks on the Billboard Hot 100. Back then, 1996, this song was beginning its run of 14 weeks at number one. Again, it could be passed very soon by Despacito as the longest leading uh, non-predominantly English song on the Hot 100. And this song is just absolutely everywhere. And I know you were really young at the time, Trevor, but this was just all over pop culture. 1996. Now, this is something that you don't have to like tell me about. I, I even at five years yeah, old. Yeah, I mean, you know, like in gym class and those kind of things, and you know, on the radio. I mean, just just kind of everywhere. It was an easy song. I mean, again, one of the nice things about Macarena was that you know anybody could do it. I mean, young people, old people. If you had all the rhythm, if you had no rhythm, it was just something that was pretty simplified, repetitive. So it didn't take much talent to do it, and I think that's why it spread, you know, far and wide. I was able to do it. Even Gary could yeah. even Gary could that, macarena y'all. That that's easy to do. That, I said that's how how idiot proof it was. So uh, the song got to number one, thirty three weeks. Idiot proof. Thirty three weeks. Thirty three uh, weeks. Number one, still a record because it started wound up not being a big hit the first time in nineteen ninety five. Then it got picked up and the whole remix kicked in. That's what we're going to talk about with our guest this week uh, as we hear our number one looking back. It was the Bayside Boys mix, the remix of Macarena by Los Del Rio that went to number one. So it was the remix that that kicked it all the way to number one. We found one of the Bayside Boys, Trevor. Yes, we did. Uh, Jam and Johnny, who was a DJ at Power 96 at the time, and you can actually still hear him on the radio in the Miami area today, was one of the key figures uh, in helping turn this song from this international hit that people in Spanish-speaking countries knew. It kind of came through the U.S. music scene in Miami where he was working, and he was really one of the key people responsible for turning it into this huge English-language phenomenon that we obviously still know and remember today. And not only that, we also talked to Johnny about Despacito, uh, still, of course, number one on the Hot 100, and his thoughts on the current landscape of some Latin pop music and who he thinks might be some of the big acts and songs who could break through next. So without further ado, let's jump right into it. Here is Jam and Johnny on the Billboard Chartbeat Podcast. Jam and Johnny, thank you so much for joining us in the Billboard Sharpie Podcast. Hey, well, glad glad to be here. It was a pleasure to be a participating with this. So uh, we're going back uh, 21 years, 1996, Macarena. How does that how does that hit you when we say it's 21 years? Has ago? that been that long? Huh? <laughs> it seems like yesterday. Uh, I, I I just feel honored uh, that that 21 years later we're still talking about a gimmick song that we brought out of a nightclub one night and um, took it to the radio, remixed it, and, and made it what it is today. Because uh, basically, 
that's how that song came about in life. Uh, it was it was amazing how that song came about when we, uh, you know, I was DJing in a club and uh, it was a Hispanic club, and they uh, people were asking me, you know, hey, do you happen to know about this song? And I'm like, I, I haven't heard it. It's not not on the top twenty of Hispanic radio charts here. You know, let let me go through my record pool bin you know how you get a thousand and one records in your record pool and you don't check them all you just pull out the ones you recognize and sure enough that week i checked them and there was a cd was in there and i said you know what? i'm gonna take the cd i'm gonna take it with me to the club and see what happens and uh the following sunday when i went to go spin at the club i said let me play this record and see what happens i played it on an off moment like you know not at the peak of the night and next thing you know, the couple hundred people that were already there at the club, they all jumped up on the dance floor and started doing the dance. And that's where I just like said, wait a second, what the heck is going on here? And uh, sure enough, um, I then w- took it to my uh, program director at that time. Um, and he, uh, we were doing a broadcast, ironically, together on Power 96, where, where we broke the record. And... Um, we uh, basically went to the broadcast, and I said, listen, I got this really cool record that you're going to see how everybody gets up and dances, but it's in Spanish. I said, well, you know, broadcast was already like at 1 o'clock in the morning, so it really didn't matter as far as ratings were concerned. And uh, he goes, go ahead, play it, so let's see what happens. Sure enough, dance floor just flipped, and everybody started doing the dance. And that's when, uh, you know, when I, the following day I had to go to the station, and um the the you know the program director tells the program director supervisor hey listen you know Johnny has this really cool record that everybody seems to be dancing and then my boss heard it uh, Funky Frank Walsh he heard it and he said hey you know uh, you got three days to remix it and make it somewhat in English because you know we're an English station we can't play the whole song in Spanish I said okay no problem so I that was the project for three days. We, uh, we, my partners, uh, my then partner, uh, Mike in the night, rest in peace. Uh, he passed away a few years ago. Uh, Carlos Iarza, which was like our studio assistant for our label called Bayside Records. Um, we went in there for three days and we started playing around. So, well, what are we going to do? So, well, you know, Hispanics already know what the song is, but we got to tell the American people what she's, what the song is about. So why don't we just bring in a girl and let her be the part of Macarena in English. And um, sure enough, we sat there, wrote the you know the lyrics, you know, hooky as it, as it seems. You kept the we kept the you know the old men uh, singing the hooks, and we just brought her in and we recorded. Next thing you know, on Monday I showed up at the station. I go, here you go, boss. It's done. The minute we played that record, they must have gotten about 200 requests on the phones right away. Play it again. Play it again. Play it again. Oh, my God. Play it again. Um, the station, you know, took over. They started playing the, the song literally every, uh, every half an hour because there was just too much of the demand. And um, from that moment on, we just, uh, we then started uh, back then making copies of CDs because there was no such thing as digital. There was no, you know, uh, the kind of spreading the YouTube and all that stuff that, that, that you can do now that people can just pull the stuff. So um, basically, in a nutshell, that's how that came about. 
we were just sending, we were getting uh, calls from every radio station pretty much in the country. Hey, can you send us a copy of it? Send us a copy of it. Send us a copy. And we must have, I don't know, made about 300 copies of it on CDs and just started sending them out, Federal Express, to, uh, to everybody in the, in the country. And I guess the rest is history until BMG stepped in and they, uh, they formally told us, hey, listen, uh, we'd like to, you know, be a part of this with you guys. It's, you know, it, it is our song. Uh, so, you know, can you guys, uh, let's work together and, uh, you know, all the way up through the presidential campaigns, uh, they were doing the Macarenas, uh, I think I have a picture somewhere where I saw, uh, J Reverend Jesse Jackson doing it. So it, it was just amazing. And the, the ride was, was crazy for as long as you guys have mentioned that, uh, everybody knows that, uh, it broke records in, 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 in the history of music. So we're pretty proud of that. And now that Despacito's here. It kind of woke up everything again, and uh, all of our memories are kicking in again with uh, with the Macarena and and the success that Espacito's having. Yeah, does it does it remind you in, in some ways, and in, in sort of similar in that uh, it was a remix again that made Despacito such a huge hit once Justin Bieber connected. Do, do you think it always takes uh, some type of remix to make a great uh, Spanish language song a hit with pop audiences, or you know, are we getting towards the point where maybe we don't even we don't even need that? I, I personally think the song was already a smash prior to Justin Bieber getting on it. The song already was, was getting good traction on all Hispanic radio levels. It was a full power record. Uh, the Justin Bieber part just made that crossover possible in, in letting the uh, Anglos know, hey, this song is really catchy, you know, let's do it. You know, it's like, like if we, you know, it's, it, it, was just, it was just another Macarena moment, and that's... That's what I what I saw happen, and uh, Justin Bieber jumping on it uh, really obviously took it to the next level, and and it's it's a proud moment for Hispanics to be recognized uh, in as an elite force in music because we do have a lot of great talent uh, that sometimes doesn't get that national perspective because of uh, you know there's other things that are you know the the urban markets are very popular the Drakes and you know all that stuff. But we also have J-Lo, we also have Mark Anthony, and we also have guys like Daddy Yankee that are been in legends in this business, and they are very strong. And I think, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a great moment where we unite and we enjoy music together, Hispanics and Americans, or if you don't listen to Spanish music, I mean, we, we united. But as far as music is concerned right now, as far as uh, the national perspective in the United States here, and in all over the world. I, I think it's great to see two great versions of the song. And, uh, and you, you know, we hear, and even in Spanish radio, we play, we flip-flop. We'll play one version, the basic, and one version, the Justin Bieber. Uh, especially when you're in the clubs, the mixers love the Justin Bieber version, you know, just to give it that little Anglo effect. So uh, I think it's a great opportunity for everybody. Uh, just taking us back again uh, to uh, Macarena. Uh, Johnny, did you think... You said you were in the studio for, for three days. You just had to, to crank out this version. Did did you feel like you created something that was going to be that big, or how much did it really surprise you just absolutely how big uh, the song wound up becoming and, and still is uh, in pop culture nowadays? Well, the, the, the funny part about this story is that as producers, Bayside Boys, we wanted to just break into radio. We wanted to find a way to break in and, and into a, you know, into radio. And, and try to get our music out there and try to get our names out there. 
as far as producers is concerned. So when we went into the studio, we went we only went in just to do something for the radio station, for the relationship that we had with the radio station, so that, hey, you know what, uh, Bayside Boys, uh, Jam and Johnny, and Mike in the Night, and Carlos Iarza, you know, uh, here's their version of it, and that. You know, we didn't, that's what we were looking for, just a more local laugh, if you want it. It was like a joke. But the joke became reality, and, and it became serious, and it became something that, honestly, I never would have thought we would have gotten to what we are. And, and even today, I sit back and I look at I look at all the Google that you can do on the song, and, and, you know, it's great to see your name all over the place. And you sit back and say, you know what, man, I, I can die tomorrow and my name will live. You know, my name will always be there because somebody 100 years from now is going to look it up and say, what's happened with this Macarena? And then that's where they'll see our names. So like, we made history. And, and that's where... You know, I, I speaking for my partner who, like I said before, rest in peace, Mike, in the night. Um, I know, you know, we were very proud of, of, of that moment. And we've always been uh, very proud of, of representing the Hispanics in that level because it was a moment where, like I said before, we we're all together as one. And I think that's what this country needs to learn to be together, you know, the minorities and this, and there's no such thing as minorities. We're all human beings. We all have talent. And if we all work together as one, I mean, we can make, we can crank out some serious music. That's all I can say. (laughs) Do you remember when the song actually went to number one on the Hot 100? Were you watching the charts? Did, Did that mean a lot to you at the time? Back then, it was not as digital as it is now. I think now you can track a record by the second. You can just look on the computer and say, oh, look, the song is spinning here it's spinning there back then it wasn't as sophisticated so it, it took a while but i really it really hit me when the station itself power 96 acknowledged um my efforts and they gave me the employee of the month something that they had never done ever to a mixer at that time usually they gave the employee of the month to you know full-time people or somebody that's on the air or somebody in sales or but for the first time ever, uh, Greg Reed gave uh, me a, a mixer, just a regular power mixer, uh, that honor, and it was because of that, because it had reached uh, so so much uh, goals. And and it was and I'm just proud. I was proud to have been part of Power 96, WPOW, which they were the station that allowed this. And, and the people like Kid Curry, who is a legend in this music business, also believed in the song and and funky frank walsh which uh, was uh, was the vp at that time and he uh, he he was the one that said yeah let's do it and he was the one that put me to do it so i have to give credit where credit is due Our, that that station put it where it is and um honestly it it took a while for for me to realize or to see the, those results now is why i see it more because of like i said all the digital and all that stuff that that we can see now uh, but I really, at that moment, I was in total loss for words. I, I really didn't know how much impact we were doing until we started performing in out of the country. We went. To, they started soliciting the Los de Rios. They kept uh, calling us and saying, "Hey, no, we want you guys to come out and part of our tour, part of our shows. We want you guys to come out and perform with us." And next thing you know, uh, we were they were performing in Italy. Spain, Germany, all across the world. You became honorary members of the duo, pretty much. Exactly. Yeah, they basically performed everywhere that the Rios were, and then they then they both would get up on stage 
between the uh, Dos de Rio and us, we would get up on stage and do the uh, remix version. So um, it, it was just amazing. It was a very, very special moment. And um, like I said, I look back and I'm like, I, I still to this day, I sit back and say, wow, man, we did that, you know. And, and I'm really honored and flattered. And I got to interview Daddy Yankee. And I told him, I said, listen, I hope, I, I mean, I hope you guys do well, but don't break my record. And he looked at me, and, I, and he goes, you, yeah. I go, I was the one, one of the third that did that, you know, that song. And he's like, wow. He was in shock. And, and it was, and it's just amazing how we got together and we talked about that. And, and, and look where it's at now with Espacito. It just keeps on doing well. Yeah, we've been talking about that. How it looks like it—it it could be getting close to the record, the sixteen week, or the fourteen weeks of, of Macarena, but the sixteen weeks for uh, for one sweet day. So it's kind of funny that the two of you were talking about that, and it could be could be head to head competition coming up pretty soon. Definitely, you'll be okay if it does pass it. Would you gracefully pass the baton if if that does happen? Daddy Yankee, gonna come back I, and rub it in I, your face. I think that that we all have to accept the fact that 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 records are meant to be broken, and. Um, the fact that we were up there as long as we were, literally 21 years, I think it's an honor. I mean, I look at football, you know, I, I think of the same thing as football. You know, you, records are meant to be broken. And, you know, Marino, uh, Dan Marino, to use a guy from Miami, he, uh, he's had his records broken by, you know, you know, Brady and all these people. And, uh, you know, so records are meant to be broken. And, and if it's somebody that, like, like a Daddy Yankee and Luis Fonsi, and uh, and the whole crew that put that song together, which I happen to know them all, um, they, they're good people. So I, I'm honored that it was them that broke it. He's never been Employee of the Month, though, as far as we know, right? That was a moment, man. Yeah. Hey, I got my gold pin. Was a, you had a choice between a gold pin or $200. I took the gold pin because I knew the gold pin would last forever. <laughs> you still have the pin today? You still wear it around? I still have that gold pin in my, in my, uh, as, in my safe, as a matter of fact. I, I guard it. It was very special. <laughs> and uh, I know one thing we've kind of been mentioning about over here is also obviously Despacito bringing back the, the conversation about uh, potential Spanish language crossover hits that could happen. Are there any songs, um, you know, Spanish songs on your radar that you're that you're really excited about that you think could really make big moves um, to an English speaking audience? As, as, at the moment, Despacito is, is just clouding everything. But I'll give you I'll give you there's I, I can tell you that there's going to prediction. I'll give you some predictions. Uh, of artists that will make a lot of noise on the Hispanic side and maybe in the next years or so, maybe come up with uh, a song as good as Despacito and possibly break records. Romeo Santos, guy's huge. He's, he's the, one of the biggest uh, artists that we have on our radio station here in Miami, on El Sol. Um, he's, he's, he's got to probably be one of the biggest guys that's about to break he's already recorded with guys like drake and usher and and um i i feel that down the road he's going to make uh, a big dent uh nikki jam is also another artist that i see in the future breaking jay balvin uh colombian artist that that, that i already see him he, he's got a song now with uh, willie williams that is it's huge right, right now it's called mi gente right. and that song is gonna is is it's, it's the voodoo song Basically, uh, and they're gonna. That song is already doing amazingly well. Um, I I see guys like Daddy Yankee teaming up with with uh, artists like uh, like a Bieber or or, or or somebody as well, um, and even a Prince Royce. Uh, Prince Royce also is another artist that I see doing a lot of big things in the future. Um, there, there's definitely 
like I said, a few artists on the radar that I, honest to God, will say will uh, will eventually do the damage uh, uh, at that level, like you guys say that that, that might team up with a with an Anglo artist, and we already know Shakira, Mark Anthony. These are these are artists that are already household names. They also can can cross over any minute and blow up. Uh, Mark Anthony and, and J Lo. Well, there goes Jennifer Lopez. She's got a new song out now um, with a Hispanic duo called Gente de Sona, which also did very well with Enrique Iglesias with Bailando. Uh, didn't break the records like, like you know, like the Macarena or, or Despacito, but also made a lot of noise. So I, I see it's a matter of time where you're going to start seeing a more consistent flow of Hispanic artists and American artists teaming up uh, to, to make hits. I, I, it's just a matter of time. Yeah, we see, um, in particular, I know the Jay Balvin song has been on a lot of people's radar recently and made a big gain this past week, so definitely uh, looks like it's about to break through, especially. And I think, in particular, you know, we've seen this with just the rise of streaming in general. I mean, it's so much, it's so easier that, or easier than ever, really, to to see what's going on in different parts of the world, different countries. I mean, just, you know, a simple click of the mouse. And, I mean, that's kind of how Despacito, Justin Bieber's involvement kind of came along. He was in Colombia, just heard it on the radio station. But I know a lot of people had already, you know, checked out the track and knew it. And when Bieber came on, that was just like a bonus. But they were really big exactly. into that before. Yep. Yep. I think the technology, with all the uh, abilities, the digital abilities, uh, the Spotify's, the YouTube's, and uh, you, you name it, uh, all the opportunities that people can go get music on demand, I think that's just making everything blow up easier now. And uh, as long as you have that, it's more it's competitive. It's more competition for radio now to to um, to survive. We just have to make sure we're playing the best records, and then what we provide the listener in between songs that makes a difference from us, you know, continuing to be a force in uh in the business as far as radio is concerned but digital right now is like huge it's it's huge um that you break a record in colombia and you're already looking at their charts and then you say well let me try that record here in miami and see what happens since i have a lot of colombians that live in south florida and next thing you know you you, you make a decision like that and it works but that's again because of the ability that we have in, in the digital to be able to look at internet back then when macarena was around I'm sorry. It just—I think AOL and the and the famous phone ringtone—that was about the thing, the most we had, and maybe MySpace. <laughs> that was about it that I can think of. Well, this is great, uh, Johnny, to chat with you. It's always—we you know, write so much about the song. It's it's the number seven Hot 100 song of all time. So you know, it comes up in a lot of our edit, and we're always just uh, writing uh, Macarena parentheses Bayside Boys mix, and we kind of never think about who the Bayside boys were so it's kind of cool to to hear uh, the human side of that and and your involvement and, and your place in, in uh, music history with it i'm honored i'm honored and i'm and i'm flattered at the same time and thank you guys for thinking about us because yeah there was three guys and <laughs> three very uh hard-working guys that had a recording studio that uh, had an opportunity to work at a really good recording studio and uh, uh homemade by the way because um, uh, mike's father uh, also rest in peace. He he was an engineer for a radio station, so he had a lot access to a lot of uh, you know the good stuff for for a recording studio. And and uh, Mike was always the type of guy that he loved engineering, he loved uh, music, and he loved uh, how to put music together. And Carlos was just one of those uh, freak of nature with talent. The guy, the kid had a lot of talent. 
he um, he just was a brainiac, and writing was his thing. And he really, uh, you know, the, the three of us together, you know, me being a DJ, uh, knowing beats and knowing how, you know, what people liked and stuff like that, it was just the perfect chemistry between our three. Yeah, and it's, such, it's still, to me, such a unique song that the production, you hear it, it still, you know, it sounds like other dance hits, but there's something about it that just sounds exactly like like only Macarena. really uh, found something that I'm not sure any other song has, has totally tapped into. That's why it's 14 weeks at number one, Jay. Right? There you go. Yeah, that, that's, that's a, you know, it's a differentiate or die type of thing. We wanted to differentiate from everything else, so uh, I think we did it well. <laughs> and um, and I'm, I'm like I said, I'm flattered and honored to be a part of that, and I'm super happy that, you know, after all these years, you know, people are still talking about it. And, and I thank everybody that, that, uh, that supports the uh, Macarena movement. <laughs> yo, yo, speaking of the Macarena movement, can you still do the Macarena? Are you still good at it? Still the pro? Oh, definitely. I, I, from time to time, I have to play it in parties. People still want to dance Macarena just like they want to dance the electric slide, which is basically why I'm, I'm even more honored because it's part of an everyday life for people having parties and weddings and bar mitzvahs and stuff, and they still do it. Yeah, like they do the Cupid Shuffle. You know, it's, it's, it's now a routine. It's a dance routine. So um, we're honored for that. You know, that every time that you're sitting at a wedding and the DJ pops that record, you're like, oh, God, here we go. Let's get up and do the Macarena. And everybody looks at me because they know I was part of it. So <laughs> it's okay, Johnny, lead the way. <laughs> Uh, so it's uh, pretty cool yeah man def- the dance lives on forever and again thank you very much for obviously crafting a huge hit and uh giving the people something i know kids even i was a summer camp counselor for a little while kids who were born after 2000 they all got up there yep. they all know the dance it, it lives on for that real. is amazing that is amazing that is something that and i and i think that's about that, that that's what's gonna no matter how many records are broken uh after our song i mean it's that's gonna never change because Despacito doesn't have that dance. And that's what really, I think, if you look back, it keeps us unique and keeps us uh, special because not only was it a hit record on the radio, even the presidential elections that year was Macarena dancing. I remember the Democrats were doing the dance at the, at the committee thing, at the, at the big convention. And that was just crazy. And, and so that's, that's what's going to always be special about Macarena. It has a song and it had a, a dance to it. Whereas Despacito, it was a song. It blew up. Yes, it was great to have, uh, you know, Bieber doing it and all that stuff, but it didn't have a dance. All right, Johnny, thank you so much for coming on the Billboard Choppy Podcast. Thank you, boss. So that's actually the original Macarena that, that they sampled from, which is... You know, way more, I mean, not nearly as big a beat, not nearly as big a moment. It's just a little more yeah. subdued. I mean, obviously you can still tell the same kind of vocal hook is there, but... Like I said in the interview, it's that track, you hear it. Nothing else really sounds like that. Yeah. The remix I, version. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's funny, too, because you think, I guess nowadays maybe the remix climate is way more ingrained in people's head. But for somebody to think of this little kind of folksy, kind of quiet, you know, little, little you know, a nice little song, but nothing, you know, that makes you sort of overly energetic to turn it into this big dance floor anthem. Right. I mean, that is just, 
Yo, that's that's producers right there. So it's beginning its run, uh, the remix version by the Bayside Boys uh, with Los Del Rio, number one for 14 weeks. This week, 1996, number one for the first week. Uh, the original version we just heard a clip of was actually at number 53. It would go on to hit number 23. That's how big like the Macarena movement was. It actually could bring back the original version right? onto the chart. And there was a third version, the cover, uh, this week, number 80 by uh, Los Del Mar Macarena. So it was a third version of the Macarena on the chart three at the same time uh macarena the bayside boys mix would be uh, 13 weeks at number one on the sales chart only got to number uh, seven on radio songs so not as big at radio wise but a huge sales hit would be in the top 10 into 1997 would be on the chart for 81 weeks so people were just buying sort of like how uh, we still see uh, huge streams for gangnam style even now people yeah. were still buying uh, macarena for months even after it was number one on the Hot 100. And it was actually, again, one of those things that was such a big phenomenon. Uh, it actually inspired a Christmas version. There's a holiday version that right. will be coming at the end of 96, um, which is kind of like Macarena Christmas is what it was called. So, I mean, again, that biggest single that you can have, you know, its own holiday version. The Chipmunks. The Chipmunks did a version. The Muppets did a version. On, on YouTube, there are metal versions. It just, it's been yeah. every possible version. And last year, uh, Los Del Rio came back with a 20th anniversary version in our Latin charts, modern version. Yeah, they uh, paired up with Hinted Arizona for that. Yeah. So, yeah, 20 years later, still a huge part of pop culture. People will see, you mention the name of the song. People still know the dance, even if they weren't old enough at the time. It's just, just become a part of pop culture at this point. Yeah, it even got a little bit of a resurgence. We saw last year, uh, 2016 Democratic Convention, um, because Hillary Clinton was the nominee. Some people, a lot of people were digging into internet gold mines and found back in 96 when she was sort of, she didn't do the dance herself, but was kind of spearheading and sort of clapping the delegates on while they did it. So even you know, even those little things can, can spark a resurgence for Macarena. All right, so there it is this week's uh, Billboard Hot 100, number 40 to number one this week, 1996, 21 years ago. Of course, Latin pop is still the word in, in 2017. Seeing a Despacito is still taken on for 13th week. And woo, get even closer to that record. In the meantime, uh, let's leave you with what Jam and Johnny thought could be the next big song that would cross over from the Spanish language market. This is J Balvin and Willie William. This is Mi Gente. And until next time, take care. No le bajamos, man, nunca para. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 